It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Bad time for all these people. And it's always a good-hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Ah, good morning. Hey, it's Friday. That was a short week for me, wasn't it? I love that. I love when that happens. 0818969696 is the number. It's a gorgeous morning. Absolutely beautiful morning out there. Yes, there's a little bit of an autumnal chill in the air. Still not enough to drag me out with shorts, though, I have to say, but it's beautiful. Enjoy it while you can, though, because it looks like it's going to turn rightly murky uh, over the weekend, particularly Sunday. Sunday looks to be horrible with a capital H um, by the looks of everyone from Met Aaron to Carlo Weather. So make the most of today. It's been a dark old week. We had the protests at the Dáil. And we had lots of other stuff uh, besides that. So I, I saw something on the way and I was thinking coming in. And of course, typical me, when I get stuck in stuff, I get battered on social media, which I'm used to. That's fine. I can take it. But um, I was driving in this morning about 10 or quarter past seven, just there along uh, Grand Parade. And there was a fella, I think there might have been a woman with him as well, and his dog and the dog had clearly been out for an early morning one, a fine, big, beautiful beast of an animal. <laughs> and the dog came up, uh, Grand Parade, and literally, as I was pulling up there by the English market, the dog hopped in to the fountain and started splashing around for a drink and a swim. And I thought, there's a little dog now, or a big dog, actually, who doesn't care about the state of the world, who doesn't care about protests at the doll, who doesn't care about anything like that. Just out for his morning run, his morning walk, into the fountain for a swim. <laughs> I mean, that made me smile. I had a smile the width of Patrick Street as I drove up Patrick Street, just seeing that dog enjoying his dip in the fountain in the morning. And watching the two people with him, definitely one, possibly two, just smiling at him as he enjoyed him. That that brightened up my morning. That almost brought the sun out 
on Friday morning for me. And I had a thought there in the last half an hour ago. It's been a dark old week and we'll return to some of the dark old stuff we were talking about. But have you seen anything as simple as that that made you smile this week? In the midst of all the bad news and all the sadness and all the anger and all the stuff we talk about day to day. Have you seen anything that just gave you a big smile like that? I guess a dog just playing just having a drink and swimming around in the fountain at quarter past seven in the morning and his two owners definitely one the two owners just smiling I just I thought that was lovely thought that was lovely so 083 396 96 96 if you see anything just anything simple to make you smile and pop me a voice note because we love getting your voice notes that way alright what are we coming back to today we got some um, some good ones about stuff being confiscated at airports chatting with Mary about the Hurley the little girl Ellie Mae's Hurley that was taken or not allowed on a plane at Manchester airport they eventually got it back to Cork that's all been sorted but other stuff started to come in I was telling you about a a vast display case that I saw years ago at Edinburgh airport uh, where they had everything on display that they'd taken from people trying to bring it through uh, the airport Uh, a cheese grater for example, a spanner. It's like a socket wrench, a foot and a half long that they've taken from someone and, and other things. With some good suggestions came in, some good stories came in. Uh, hair straighteners would seem to be a problem. Uh, I don't understand why you would want to put a hair straightener into your hand luggage, but, but that is what it is. <laughs> some people do have a problem when they bring a hair straightener through. Um, if you know me, if you've ever seen me, hair straighteners are the last thing on my mind. But they're a problem at, at some airports. Do you know what I mean? And something else. Um, I had a cold call. Like three cold calls yesterday to my front door. And by the time the last one was over, I was very cross. I was very cross, to be fair. My poor little dog got the brunt of it. Um, but, but I was very cross by the time I was finished with cold callers last night. So I'll, um, I'll tell you about that later on. Because I want to know what the rules are. I mean, there's got to be rules about cold calling to people's front doors at, at 20 to 9 at night. Your ideas, though, welcome. Seeing as it's Friday, something that made you smile. Doesn't have to be today. Could be any Friday, could be any day. Something that just made you smile for no reason other than it was lovely to see. Now, uh, next week, crashes up and down the country are likely to close. It's an act of protest against the lack of funding from the government and we've talked dozens of times here on the Opinion Line about the state of the childcare sector and people trying to run their businesses with little or no funding. Parents have been getting letters, parents all over Cork have been getting letters during the week and they're faced with having to get alternative childcare for at least one day next week, possibly even more than one day. It, it, individual creches are making their own decisions among themselves on which days to close. It's a three-day protest, but some people are picking one day, some people are picking two days, some people aren't doing it at all, and, and that's their right. Uh, but the industry is in crisis. We've known that for a very, very long time. Maureen Davis has bright beginnings in Douglas, and she's been running her business there for quite a number of years. Maureen, you're one of those who will close for a day next week. Good morning. Hi, PJ. What has brought um, people to this? 
Well, I'm open 30 years, PJ, so I'm one of the long-standing. Um, I'm open since 93. So I'm in second-generation children, and I suppose here we go again. We're fighting. We're fighting for our services. It wasn't an easy decision, really, to close. It's the beginning of the year. I don't want to set unsettle any children that are just settling. But I feel I have to fight, really. We have to fight to keep the business going. Roger Gorman has been saying, oh, he gives us funding, he gives us funding. Yes, he has given funding. He has given funding. But he's given funding to large daycare centres, places like mine, small providers who provide EEC only, we're struggling. Mm -hmm. And we're struggling big time. Before funding came in from the government, I was charging 18 euros a morning. 18 euros a morning. I now get 69 euros a week from the government for my EEC service. Okay, so let's pause and do some yeah. mental arithmetic. You okay. used to get 18, that's 90 per child per week. And Fun- that was 10 years ago. Okay. 10 years ago. The funding comes in and you now get per child per week? 69. That's not feasible. Of course it's not. And you're not allowed to put anything extra on top no. of that? No. 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 And the sad reality is parents, I have very good parents who've known me for years and when I gave them the strike letter during the week, like their first, they didn't know. They they weren't aware that things were so bad. And like they wanted to give me money. They wanted to do coffee mornings. They wanted to go fund. They were just saying, this is awful. This is awful. I cannot believe me. Because I suppose we're a nation, we love our jobs. And the majority of people in preschools, we all love our jobs. And we say, why are we in it? We hope every year it's going to get better. It's not. It hasn't got better. You know, I have four wonderful staff with me every years. And before I open the door in the morning, the place is heated. The place is insured. There's lovely materials there. The place is painted during the summer. I have always added to my service with outdoor areas. The four staff are there. We're getting, if you bring it down, PJ, 460 an hour per child. Wow. Wow. I always make the comparison that I'm sure if you went out of an evening, you'd give a babysitter 50 euros for your couple of hours and the children are asleep. Yeah. Like we're definitely not getting 50 euros for the three hours in the morning that the children come to us. Yeah. We wish we'd get 50 euros, jeepers, that would be, but we're not. We're not getting 50 euros and small services like me, we're struggling big time. Mm. We are. Like I would, I would borrow, we're not paid during the summer. I'm not expected to be paid because we're not working, but I'm taking phone calls. I'm sorting my place. It's getting harder. It's getting harder every year. And I've had friends, family tell me, sell it, made, run. But mm. sure, I love it. Yeah. You're, you're doing this 30 you know? years. So some of the children who are with you now, their parents were also with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I'm on second generation. Making me feel old now, PJ. <laughs> but yeah, I'm on second generation children. Yeah. Wow. Have you spoken to politicians, even your local councillors, about this? To be fair, I have asked parents to lobby on my behalf because we're Southside Douglas. So we have Micheál Martin, we have Simon Coveney and we have Michael McGrath. And of course they will. But you know what, uh, to be honest, PJ, we don't have the time, you know. We're in here in the morning, we get paid for three hours. We're overrun with paperwork. I'm trying to keep a home going as well, you know. It's just very difficult, you know. Mm. You're going to close on Tuesday, just for the one day. I'm going to close on Tuesday um, and I'm going to travel with my staff to Dublin. Absolutely. And they're all behind me. I absolutely. And I'll go again. This is not my first time outside Leinster House protesting. Yeah. And I will go again and we'll keep going. And I would just hope. And I mean, it's a sad reality. I have a daughter and I would say to her, 
you're not going to childcare. Absolutely not. You know, there's mm. no business there. There's no future there in childcare. Go into teaching. You get paid. You get a decent pension. You get paid during the summer. Mm. Others in your line of work, Marmaid, have said to me repeatedly, it seems as if Roderick O'Gorman, the minister, either doesn't get it or doesn't want to be told. Which do you think it is? Um, I think he doesn't get it, definitely. I think he's been advised wrong. And I think he is—he did give core funding, but he gave core funding on the basis of large setups who have crashes from 8 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock the night. The likes of me who open from 9 o'clock in the morning until 12, we're being forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And if it's his plan to close us all down, then tell us that. But the, we have plenty of children. I'm in Douglas. All my children walk to me, walk to my service. They cycle back. They're scooting to school. They don't want, their parents aren't working or their parents are working part-time. They don't want full daycare for me till six at night, you know? Can you sustain this, Maureen? Do you know what, um, PJ? It's definitely getting worse. Like, I definitely borrow from family to keep wages going. Um, I'd say it's a long time since I've taken anything from the business. And it's just getting more difficult. It certainly is. It's definitely getting harder. And I suppose, as I said to you, we always hope that, oh, maybe this budget will get something. But definitely, we should be absolutely, for EEC, getting 100 euros a week. And that's just non-negotiable, really. 100 euros per child per week, rather than the 69. rather than 69 euros. And yes, he did give us core funding. PJ, Mm. he did. My three staff stayed till one o'clock for the extra hour. We're, that's core funding. Core funding is going on all these extra things, you know. Mm. He did give us core funding. It's just not enough for small services like mine to keep going. What price is the same? That was 10 years ago, you know. Yeah. Electricity, insurance, there's nothing the same. Mm. It's less than three weeks to budget day. Uh, do you and your colleagues feel that the protest will have any effect on the minister's thinking over the next couple of weeks? <sighs> I would hope so. I would hope that they now see that the parents and that how important childcare is to the society. Like we literally, parents cannot go to work next week. And they've been so supportive. I haven't had one negative text. I gave out the letters this Tuesday and I've had so much support. Mm-hmm. Maureen, I wish you well with it. I, I, I have huge sympathy for your sector. I talk to many people in it on an ongoing basis. I don't know how anyone stays in it. You must love it very much. I do. I do. Ha- I even get emotional, PJ, to be honest. I know. Have a good day. Thanks a million. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Maureen. I'm just wondering, parents listening this morning, have you had uh, letters from your provider for next week? They're driven to it. This is not something that, they, that they've done or will do lightly. But, you know, it, it brought to mind, as I was talking to Maureen there, they're organising three days of demonstrations at the Doyle. I wonder where the brave boys and girls who behaved like caged animals on Wednesday afternoon, I wonder will any of them show up to lend dignified, peaceful support to these people who are providing a decent service to, to children all up and down the country? I wonder will they be there? I, I doubt it, you know. I doubt it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Johnny was on. It's car free day in Cork tomorrow, and there are hours to protect episode for this week, which we'll hear between half ten and eleven, round about quarter to eleven. Uh, car free day is tomorrow. Uh, Johnny was on to say that blue badge holders 
are exempt. Um, that's coming from Cork City Council. Blue badge holders are exempt from tomorrow's car-free day in town. Thanks for that information, Johnny. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Cork's 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie. This was a conversation that started with Gareth on Tuesday when Mary was telling him about Ellie May's hurley. Ellie May plays camogie and she carries her hurley everywhere. And she's used to taking it over and back to her cousins in England so they can see her play. And it, they, they stick it into a buggy and they put the buggy through with that little hurley inside the buggy and everything is generally okay until it wasn't uh, at Manchester Airport. And uh, Mary was on telling Gareth about it. And they wanted money. They wanted stupid money. They wanted more than the hurley was worth, quite frankly, and probably more than the buggy was worth into the bargain. Got sorted eventually anyway. Mary was on with me yesterday. And it was brought back into Cork Airport. Everything was fine. But the stuff that gets stopped at airports, and Manchester comes up rather a lot here. Tracy says, Manchester Airport insist on taking hair straighteners out of my carry-on bag, but they've never been asked, I've never been asked to remove it from my bag at any other airport. That's from from Tracy. Is that a carry-on bag that you're taking as your luggage? Or have you got another one put into the belly of the plane but anyway I know hair straighteners I don't know why you put them into hand luggage but if it is your carry on bag that's um, carrying all your luggage it could be problematic alright we went to Portugal this is from Amanda from yesterday we went to Portugal in June we only had hand luggage we used my daughter's bag we got to Portugal and I was taking everything out of the bag and out pops a big scissors I was shocked because I didn't even know it was there my daughter had left it there by mistake she was at a hairdressing event a few weeks before we left. I don't know how we got it through security. But we left it there. Uh, we left it in Portugal. Wasn't going to take that chance coming home, uh, says Amanda. Yeah, scissors could be problematic, uh, to be fair now, if if it turned up. I told you about me, my mother-in-law years ago. Uh, there was a scissors showing up on the screen and there was no sign of anything in the bag. Uh, they let her through eventually, but but they found the scissors in the lining of the bag. Rebecca, now hold on a second. A, a foam toy sword got stopped. Morning. Morning. Um, yeah, it's it was a, it was one of those things I <laughs> never forget it. It was our son's fourth birthday, right. and we were traveling through Dublin Airport. We were actually on our way to Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Um, he was dressed as Peter Pan, and as part of the costume for Peter Pan. There was a little sword. It wasn't even 20 centimetres long. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, it was like, it was stuck to like, the, like there was a little holster thing. So it was actually kind of tucked into the, the costume, like stuck to the front of it yeah. in the little holster. But it was like, it was completely flat. Yeah. And it was like made of foam like. Yeah. Um, and we were going through security. I'm sure I didn't take it out of the little hole. Like it was half stuck to it. Like it was held in with a little stitch. 
And um, so I, I, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me like that I'd have to take it off and scan it. So we were coming through anyway. There was no problem. Next thing, a security man comes over and he had a little happy birthday badge on as well. Um, so the security guy comes over and he goes, I'm sorry, um, but I'm going to have to confiscate that. You know, uh, it looks like it, it looks could be construed as a dangerous weapon. You're not allowed to bring any replica weapons through security. And I burst out laughing because I just presumed that he'd seen the birthday badge and he was, Winding you know, he was going, <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh, sure, look, he saw the birthday badge. He's like, oh, Peter Pan's so dangerous, you know, because this was clearly a four-year-old in a Peter Pan costume, like. Um, <laughs> Sorry for laughing, just, but the whole concept no, was, was hilarious, but go on anyway. It was, it was so funny and because it was so far, like the the con- the idea that he could actually be serious was so far removed from my mind yeah. that I really thought that he was winding us up. Mm. And so then he starts. It was only when he called over backup, and he started getting really like aggressive towards me that I realised that he wasn't joking. And I said, oh, "I'm so sorry. I actually genuinely thought that you were winding us up because it's, it's, a, it's a toy. It's a it's, foam toy. It bends like." <laughs> Yeah, he said, oh, but sure, that wouldn't matter, you know, if a person, all that matters, like, that's like saying that, oh, you could you could bring a toy gun. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd understand if it looked anything like a real sword, but it's very clearly foam. <laughs> but um, they even, were, if you, even if you tried, you couldn't stick it into a pound of butter. Exactly. And I said to him, I was like, look, if anyone, if anyone gets frightened or thinks that that's a real weapon, well, I don't know if they should be operating a plane, really. Or allowed to travel on their own, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it didn't, it didn't go very well. And my husband actually ended up coming over because I, I genuinely, I think they thought that I was trying to be funny, but I actually genuinely thought it was a joke for ages. And it was only when they started getting very angry that we realized that they were being serious and we Mm. had to hand it over. That's amazing. Um, That's amazing. It was it was absolutely comical and we were actually telling because in fairness we we were flying Aer Lingus and I remember we were telling them on the way back and they were like yeah you know people get the most random things confiscated but when they found out that it had actually been his birthday <laughs> and that it was part of his costume they actually brought him into the cockpit to meet the pilot and everything so that that, nice. that made up for it but it was, nice. it was really nice but it was absolutely comical I'll never forget it because I remember I texted my sister um when we got off the plane and explained to her what was after happening and they were like, you're joking, there's no way. And I was like, I I thought the same, but they were, and they were so angry about it. Like, but I didn't, I didn't mean to be rude to them or anything. I just genuinely had no idea. To be fair now, Rebecca, I, 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 I'm not a frequent traveller. I travel once, maybe twice a year and I'm always very careful about what I do and don't put in my hand luggage. But, but it, I had one episode about 30 years ago, I'll tell you in a minute, but like a foam, a piece of foam. Piece, like it was. It, it was comical, like football and rugby supporters going through airport with you know these foamy fingers that they wave at matches or or they use at at concerts. Like, do they stop them? So do they? Well, this is it. He said it was just because it was in the shape of a of a dangerous weapon. Okay. But like it was complete, like it was completely flat, like like a piece of paper, and, <laughs> and, like and it was stuck. It was stuck in a little, in a little holster on the front of a Peter Pan costume. Oh, I had God. to unpick a stitch to get it off. Like, <laughs> how, how did your four-year-old take the whole experience? 
Pardon? How did your four-year-old take the whole experience? Not well, not well. We had to uh, we had to make a series of promises, um, and you know we had to make a series of promises of what we were going to buy when we got to uh, Disneyland. Mm. How did <laughs> they were Disney- like? Oh yeah, but yeah. how did Disneyland go? Oh, sure, it was amazing. Like that was that was six years ago now, and it was it was amazing. Like it was the best birthday ever. He said. Yeah, yeah. I was I was only ever there once. We were there, brought over. Remember when it opened first? We got brought over on a on a, on a press trip, um, to, to see it. You know, and is Small World still open? It is. They actually just refurbished it. It would actually only just reopened there recently. Um, I think that they they occasionally go back and and make it like kind of re- review it in yeah. the through the lens of the of the times if you get me <laughs> yeah, it's my, it's, it's, of all the Disneyland stuff it's my I think it's my my, my wife's favorite she has this thing about hey, it's a small world after tell me the truth it is isn't it yeah it's thank you Rebecca there's something a little bit scary about it's a small world Oh, it's it's super scary, and I always find as well because I remember when we when we brought him on it, he was only because he was only so small at the time, and I thought, oh, we're in big trouble now because if he decides he doesn't want to be here anymore, we're in a boat, you know. <laughs> so if you're on you're on a little boat with a small child, and there's all these terrifying robots singing the same song over yeah, and over and over again, if they if they get a little freaked out, you're like you're stuck there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Like we, we we say it's for the children, don't we, Rebecca? Oh, it's a hundred percent for me. One hundred percent for me. I know, yeah. yeah. The, vo- the four I, year old just, is your ticket. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, yeah. I mean, I I even dragged I even dragged my husband to the when we went on our honeymoon. Uh, we actually we left our six year old at home and we went to Disney World in Florida for our honeymoon. For your honeymoon. I'm terrible. Man. Yeah, I'm terrible. I was like I was like, Why don't we go somewhere we haven't been? How about Florida? And he was like, Oh yeah, that sounds good and then he was like, Wait a minute, this is the trick. You just want to go to Disney and I was like, He caught me, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't get his own way by bringing you to Universal Studios, did he? And no, we, we did we did swing by New York, all right though. Um, because yeah. it was because it was the honeymoon. We got to we we did have a little. And we said we'd do something that he wanted, or something that I wanted. Yeah. You know, set ourselves up for a lifetime of compromise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, great. Thanks very much. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. A foam sword taken from a four year old child. Uh, Disney. Eh? It's my world after all. A friend of mine has a, has a boyfriend who's only about five foot two. And um, I, I set this up as uh, her ringtone for him on, on, on her phone. I'm very bold like that. 0818 96 96 96. Um, <laughs> yeah, on the Tracy and the hair straightener. PJ, almost every woman in the country has a hair straightener. Your texter is saying that when she doesn't have check-in bags and puts her straighteners in her hand luggage, one particular airport seems to have an issue with it. They, and they seem to be the only airport that has an issue with it. This is Manchester Airport. Most women bring their straighteners for weekends away. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. That I know. 
96. What happened to me, and this is a long, long time ago, so long time ago, it was a school trip. And we went to Rome with the school. That's the second time this week I've mentioned Rome. I'll nearly be on TikTok talking about Rome soon. Anyway, um, we went to Rome and we went to the Trevi Fountain. And if you've ever been, you'll know that there's a market down there uh, one or two nights a week and you can buy all sorts of souvenirs and trinkets and, and all this kind of stuff. And of course me, being me, fancied these lovely, they were just ornamental daggers. Like they were as blunt now as your fist but they were gorgeous, and, and there were two of them together on a hook, and you went put them over the fireplace. My mother would rather put them anywhere than in the house, but I brought them home from my mammy thinking, there's a lovely present now for me, mother. They never saw the wall, because they never left the airport. I had them in my bag, and the bag went through, and I grabbed my bag and went off up into the... whatever. And this would be the days now before scanners and before the fellas standing around you. Next thing I know, I went to the toilet and came out of the toilet and there's a very large man standing. I was about, what, maybe 16. A very large man standing in front of me, armed to the teeth. He goes, bag, open bag. So I open my little bag and there's my two little daggers inside it. Weapons. And I said, ornaments, weapons. He took them and dumped them on me. That kind of teaches you to be careful for the rest of your life. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Um, stuff that made you smile. My daughter Carla got picked to play in Ski and a Skull in Upper Glenware. She has a big smile on her, but I have a bigger one, says Brian. Yeah, stuff like that. For a Friday, for a gorgeous Friday. Stuff that made you smile. Oh, eight three three ninety six. 9696. I'll read some of your emails and I'll count the unread ones in just a minute. Uh, do you know if there's a problem with pensions going to accounts today? I'm a widow. I bank with unpost. My pension isn't there. Oh, that's that's tough. Is there a problem? We don't know, but if there is a problem, someone will, will certainly call us and tell us, but thanks for that. Anyone listening in the post office? Is there a problem? with pensions this morning. I bring my straightener all the time in my hand luggage. If you Google it, Ryanair and Aer Lingus are 100% okay with that, says Anne. Well, that's fine. As I said to you, Anne, hair straighteners are not something that come into my life. Um, not me, anyway. The, the house is full of them. The other women in the house, the women in the house use, use them all the time, but I don't. So I never have to worry about them. On what happened outside Leinster House, Jim, it says, so far today there's no evidence the group that was shown behaving aggressively were right-wing. Is there a possibility it was Antifa? Jim, I, I think I made this point yesterday, um, but let's let's have a listen to what was going on. Like, once you engage in that nonsense, I don't care if you're left, right, or wherever you come from. You're just a thug when you engage in that kind of nonsense. 0818969696. I'm trying to find out. Do you know what I did? I switched off uh, years ago the number of unread emails in my phone because it was like, I think it was around fifteen or 16,000 unread emails. And that's just on the main account I have. Um, if you were to add them all up together, I probably have maybe twenty or 30,000 unread emails 
emails. I don't read stuff that I'm not interested in. I don't even open it. So I've loads of unread emails. Um, it's kind of a status symbol. Um, emails started, I'm reading here from, um, from the Irish Times, emails started in the 60s, um, but they were, they were a novelty at the time, but now they're the way most of us communicate. Um, 300, they estimate, 376 billion emails will be sent and received every day by 2025. What? Is that total or per day? 376 billion emails. That's a lot of email. And they, they tell us in the Times that Queen Elizabeth, the late Queen Elizabeth, was one of the first people to use email as a head of state. She sent a message to the Department of Defence in 1976. But how many unread emails do you have? Uh, I, I turned off the notification on my phone and I can't remember how to turn it back on again. I will do it at some stage during the morning. I'll turn it on and see how many that I that I have. But how many do you have? Be honest now. Screenshot it. Just take a picture of the front, front of your phone with the email and the number. Yeah? Be honest. How many unread emails do you have? Apparently it's a status symbol. The more you have, the more you're busy the more you're in demand, maybe the lazier you are that you won't open them. But how many unread emails do you have? Take a quick screenshot and you don't have to identify any of them. You don't have to show us any of your emails. God, that's private. That's your own business. How many do you have unread? Because your thing will turn up as unread mail. How many? Take a screenshot and send it to me at 0836. 96, 96. It's Friday, lads. It's Friday. Um, and the other things, the things that made you smile. The stuff that made you smile. I told you about the dog this morning. Have you seen anything or done anything or has anything happened to you in the last week that among all the dark stuff and all the bad stuff made you smile? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Pinks and Roosters. Corks 96FM. I'm up to over 20,000 and I've only looked at two of me accounts. Ah, come on, lads. 0818969696. Apparently, I'm a sock drawer person. I have an untidy sock. I have a very untidy sock drawer. And that shows up in my email account. More on that later on. 0818969696. Now, the. There are currently, top of big numbers, there are currently 71,500 people waiting on a driving test. On top of that, there's nearly 28,500 people who have applied but aren't yet eligible to be considered. So that's a waiting list of nearly 100,000 people. On top of that, the failure rate for the driving test in this country is 
the average wait time is now 30 weeks. Like 30 weeks is seven and a half months. Seven and a half months. Someone has been in contact with to say that they've got an appointment for a driving test next July, which is just mad. Utterly, utterly mad. The Road Safety Authority say that they want to hire, uh, they will hire 70 new testers. The department has asked them to hire 70 new testers to cut down that waiting list. Darren Milan's a driving instructor. Darren, it's ridiculous. People telling us that they're getting appointments now for next July. Good morning. Yeah, PJ, it is ridiculous. Look, PJ, I'm kind of sick of the RSA coming out going, oh, we're hiring 70 new testers. They failed to mention the 50 they let go last August that were our six years in the job. Now, they the just reason let them the go, like. Well, look, PJ, my own wife was a driving tester. Look, she was in Mallow and she was in Clonmelon. She was in Limerick at one stage, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, all this came about when the Clancy Amendment came out in 2018, right? The RSA said, look, we're going to have a massive surge. So they recruited 50 or 60 testers at the time on a temporary two-year contract, basically expecting a massive surge. Right. The surge didn't really come. Like, the waiting lists kind of went up to about 14 weeks at the time, whereas the national average was 10. Mm. Then COVID hit, and they left all the temporary testers go, which was fair enough. The test centres were closed. There was nothing operating, right? Mm. When the test centres reopened, they brought them back on a two-year contract again, which was fine, and everything was working tickety-boo, driving test waiting lists for 10 to 15 weeks at a time. Then, at the end of their contracts, they were given an extra four months. So that was a third contract. So at the end of the third temporary contract... They had to be made permanent or let go. That's right, that's right. You've done four years on temporary contacts and uh, contracts in a public job like that. You've got to be either made permanent or let go, correct? So what they've done is they left contracts expire and left people go. Despite now the waiting lists being in tatters, it was 22, 23 weeks at the time. Then they had these testers that were left there in on overtime, working Saturdays and working evenings. Mm and paying them overtime. They were paying other driving testers outs. So, so basically What's they were paying mean? them to travel to other centres. All right, okay. And on top of all that, they ran an open competition for, I think it was 15 permanent posts. So my wife didn't even apply for the open competition over the way she was treated. Yeah. And at the end of the day, she went back to her driving instructor business and set up xtester.ie. Mm-hmm. And she's flying now with the driving lessons. Good. And look, I'm well established. I'm out there 18 years. But having said that, the driving test waiting list is not seven months. It's a year in Wilton at the moment. Oh, my God. It's it's on its knees. And now something else is after happening. They can't fill the vacancies because nobody's applying. There's no driving instructor in their right mind going to close a driving business and go into the RSA and become a driving tester for a 14-month contract and then to be thrown out the door at the end of it. Even if they were, Darren, I mean, what kind of money does it pay? My wife was on 43000 a year. Okay. That's what the salary was. What can you make? I'm not asking you to disclose how much you make, but shall we say, would you equal or better that as a busy driving instructor? Um, I would equal... 
I look, I put it this way, it has a lot of perks working for yourself, DJ, yeah, right? It does, yeah. Look, I get the company car. I, I, I get my salary and I get a company car, company phone, fuel card. I get my latest iPhone every year. And, you know, I get yeah. all the perks that comes with And you can write stuff off against tax being self-employed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, don't get me wrong, PJ. We've had terrible times at this business. Sure. Well, like, COVID, COVID, for example. Look, PJ, I've a bus and truck license myself. And when things get quiet, I hop into a bus, hop into a truck. I'm never out of work. Yeah. Because, look, I can always get agency work and stuff like that. No, I haven't for the last four or five years. But, look, if things got quiet in the morning, I'll jump into a school bus and I'll go driving a school bus or something in between lessons. Yeah. But, like, at the moment, it's brilliant. But, look, the only problem that we're facing as instructors, I have a young lad here now, he's doing his driving test this morning. He applied in December. This is why it's nearly October. It's nearly October now. But like, I'm blue in the face from saying to people, and another thing as a driving instructor, this is very hard for us, right? No matter what job you go into, it takes time to become sharp, to be good, to not make as many mistakes, etc. To become a driving tester, you just need a full license for five years. You don't need to be a driving instructor. You don't need any formal qualifications. Really? The only no, none whatsoever. And a lot of people don't realize this: that the vast majority of driving testers were never instructors, and they're given they're given seven weeks training. They're down in Torquay Community Centre at the moment training new testers. Hmm. Right? Some of them come from a background of driving instructing. Some don't, but. They get seven weeks on the job training and they're let loose to test the public. Now, the problem that we face as instructors is... Quick question, Darren. At the end of that training, do they themselves have to take a test? They do what they call an advanced driving test, right? It's not an advanced driving test because literally they have to do a test with less than seven volts. Okay. Now... Now, I can tell you another thing as well, that there was a number of them failed at their driving tests when they went for the open competition for permanency. Yeah. Because they had, they had to reset their driving test. And look, I trained three of them yeah. for the driving test. And look, thankfully, they passed and they're now appointed as good testers. Man. Good man, good man. And they got, they got so permanently. But look, I tell you now, PJ, my own wife didn't even apply for the job because she was messed around for six years. Yeah. So, so you're saying when they talk about a shortage of testers and when they talk about a, a long waiting list, a lot of this is their own making. And look, all the RSA are doing then is saying, oh, it's just the Department of Transport. They wouldn't sanction us. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do that. Look, I'll put it this way, and I've said this before. I'm running a business 18 years. Mm. My wife was doing 42 driving tests a week for the RSA at 85 euros a pop. Mm-hmm. That's three and a half thousand euros a year a, a week, yeah. right? And they were paying her about six fifty seven hundred per. Now, yeah. if anyone wants to come work for me, make me three grand a week, I'll take them. With I'll yeah. grab them quickly because we're not a whole pile of time, Darren. Why is the failure rate so high compared to the EU? The, f- the failure rate has always been around the fifty percent, Peter. Right. It's I see for years. It's always been that one and two. A lot of people don't prepare properly and like the be it'll get higher now because they're not taking lessons. They're finishing their twelve EDT and then they're going on to do the driving test and there's a year gap. Now PJ, another point I want to make, because it's a local thing, I, I was following the chamber story there last week, right? Mm. I, I myself and my wife went away and we registered our businesses as LGBT plus friendly businesses and mm-hmm. we were very proud to do so. 
Mm-hmm. And I spoke to a few driving instructors and I, there wasn't too much of an uptake on it, but I was very pleased to put it on our website, xtester.ie, we're LGB friendly. Good plus for you. LG, and we registered with Google as well. Good for you. As an LGB. And I think we're the first in Cork to do it. Oh, good man. Darren, I'm going to have to cut it there for no reason other than time. We'll come back to many of these issues in the fullness of time. Darren Milan, thank you from the Milan School of Motoring. It's a mess. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 30 Five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 Still a lot of people wanting to talk about what happened at the Dáil on Wednesday. Kept us very busy yesterday, but people want to continue that conversation. Happy to do it. I'll be with you shortly. Mike, thank you uh, for calling us. But earlier on I asked you, if you missed afternoon, I told you about something that uh, really made me smile on this beautiful autumnal morning. And if you were taking the kids to school or loading up stuff, you might have missed it. I was driving in Grand Parade shortly after seven. I was running a couple of minutes behind, so it was a bit rushed, you know yourself. And I spotted at the, I've stopped in traffic and I spotted at the fountain this, I think there was two people, definitely one, who had a dog. And the dog had been for a morning run by the looks of it. Beautiful big dog. And the dog leapt up into the fountain and had a wash and a bath and a swim and was shaking himself and drinking the happiest little thing on four legs that I saw and as I was passing thinking of what we're talking about thinking of the noisy all week we've had in the news I just smiled and I asked some people what made them smile this morning Jerry said there was a video recently showing a one-year-old high-fiving from his seat on a plane every passenger who boarded the plane Got a high five from the kid. It was the cutest thing you ever saw and that made me smile. Phil says, my friend Betty and I got stuck on a cruise ship off the coast of Chile when COVID hit. I think I remember that. I think we talked. Betty's flying to Vancouver today for a cruise. We shall end up in Sydney. Five weeks. I can't go, unfortunately. I wished her well in person. And later last night by text, woke up this morning to a lovely message from her and it really made me smile. She's an amazing lady, and I'll miss her when she's away. The stuff that made you smile. John says, <laughs> the John says the protest at the Dáil made me smile. It gave the government something to think about. Long may it continue. Well, that's where I'll bring, is it Dennis? Am I going first with Dennis? I am on line two. Dennis, morning to you. Hey, what made me smile during the week, and I... I Try to get my points over to you very quickly. Sure, Dennis. Was when Radka came on the radio telling the Irish people not to vote for Sinn Fein. Like, who is that guy? You think he is, right? That's mm. the first point that made me smile. But get on to I've been onto your radio program before, saying that there has to be a fundamental change to politics in Ireland. And I'm not saying that the people who protested outside the doll. Well, right, I know you have a very strong view on that, or were they wrong? Well, I but just I believe might... there's a way to do things, Dennis, that's yeah, all. Yeah, and I accept that. 
But I will tell you straight away, and I will put my hand on my heart, I admire the French people. When they have idiots inside in their parliament who bring out legislation, they go out and they burn a few cars and do a bit of writing and that. And then the boys inside say, oh, geez, better not go down that road. We're not ready to have more buildings burnt. But I will say to you that uh, there is pent-up aggression in Ireland whereby where you see politicians like... There's teachers outside there, very hardworking, and I admire them. They will go through all their lives working. And at the end of the day, by the time they pay their taxes, their mortgages, childcare and everything, mm-hmm. they'll end up on a miserable pension like most of the people in this country. Okay. We, have, we have a teacher in, in the doll who flutters and farts when he comes on the radio. He's now a millionaire. We have another fellow down in Kerry. I'm not going to ask you to name who that person no, is. No, and I've been careful not. Now, my viewpoint as a, as a political... Would, would you be a Sinn Féin man, Dennis? I would be for change. Okay. I don't okay. care what they call themselves. Years ago, you used to have this nonsense Republican uh, politicians coming across, oh, we always voted for Fianna Fáil, and our family was Fianna Gael. Uh, that, those days are gone. Mm. Now... Every one of the issues that you have brought up on your radio program, driving licenses, passports, hospitals, waiting lists for hospitals, poor people dying because they can't afford VHI, yet they have paid into the system all their lives. Mm-hmm. What does that smack of? It smacks of a political system whereby there's a minister who's in charge of all those problems, regardless what you call him, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, we've suffered them all over the years and they do nothing. Mm. Right? What do they do? They do nothing. Now, at the end of the day, they go out on a huge pension and a payout. Oh, the pensions are obscene. I've always said that, Dennis. I'm glad we agree on that. No, totally. Totally. Yes. Political now, pensions are stupid. What, what I'm saying to you is that all the citizens in Ireland are taxpayers. And when a politician retires... He should go out on exactly the same pension as everybody else in the country who's taking taxpayers' money to try and survive at the end of their days. The politicians should be no different. Now, if... Well, I have no problem with them. I have no problem with a person having a pension after many years working for either a company or for the doll or, or whatever. I don't, I don't have a problem with, with people having a decent pension. I do have a problem with people having a three, a six-figure pension. Certainly do. That's that's what I'm Nobody saying. needs that. Why should the politicians go out on a different pension than somebody who spent 40 years paying into the system have? They should all have the same pension. Now, the next thing is revenue came along and they said, oh, benefit in kind. We can't have these fellas making a few bob. We're going to tax the car and we'll do all this. Why did they not bring that into politicians? Do they pay the same amount of income taxes as us people who put them into power? Well, to be fair, Dennis, I believe that they do. I believe that they are taxed under the same PAYE, PRSI system as you and I. They have more perks than you and I, and they have an obscene pension plan. But in terms of their basic wage, they're taxed the same way as you and I. Right, fair enough. I'll accept that point of view. And at the end of the day, they should have no different pension from the from the rest of us mm. everything should be equal 
And like I have no problem with a fellow. Sorry, I, I have no, no yeah. problem, Dennis, with a fellow who served in the Dáil for 15, 20 years, maybe even served around cabinet. I'd have no problem with that person having a, a pension of maybe 50,000 a year, but not 150,000. Excuse me, I have a problem with it. I have a problem that they should be treated the same as the other citizens but in Dennis, Ireland. By the same token, I should yep. tell you, I believe that the standard pension, the standard senior pension that most people will go on, that should be vastly increased. I believe that the, and I'd say this straight out, and I'm, I'm not a million years away from it, I'm not quite up on there yet, but the state pension, the state pension should be a minimum of 350 euros a week. Yes. Now the people, and I agree with you, PJ. Like that poor lady ringing in there to see was her pension in the post office. She's yeah. probably waiting to go and. And go another down point, seems we're on it, Dennis. I'm enjoying this now. My my mother, um, because of my dad's long service with the guards, got to be good to him. She has a, a portion of his pension for the rest of her life since he died, and rightly so. She's paying tax on that. That is obscene. Yes. Now, this is what I'm saying to you is that if we, the politicians, were on the same pension as all the other people who are going to have to be honest, they would bring in a decent rate. But they're saying, oh, no, we're different from everybody else. Mm -hmm. We have this big... You go back and look at what Mary Harney got. If you have the gumption to bring up on your programme someday and look at these people... Well, there's charts come up in the papers. In fairness to the papers, and it's the tabloids do it, they do charts. Uh, The the Mail does really good ones. The Sun does them as well, of who's entitled to what. And some of them would... They make your eyes water, Dennis. You're right. But come back to to there, because we could go down the road on pensions all morning. Come back to what happened on Wednesday. And I made this point yesterday talking to Michael Healdway. People are angry. People feel left down. People feel upset. Yeah. And and, there, and many of them, I've spoken to thousands of them. Yeah. But does that justify, and I'm just going to play it for you for a second, Yeah. Uh, does that justify this? Does any of that justify that? Well, now, they were vocal, and what little bit I looked at last night, because I was going to come on yesterday, and I said, no, you better have a look to see what these people were up to. There was a lot of fellows killed trying to say we don't want the violence, that they want us to be violent. Now, what I'm saying to you is that this is as a result of what we're seeing every day, high waiting lists, people people who would normally not, you wouldn't hear a boo out of them, are Mm. saying, why have we got these ministers in there doing nothing? Like the, the NCT there now, I just found out the other day, I went to a solicitor and I said, this is a monopoly, can a case be brought against yes. the government? Yeah. And he laughed at me and he said, yeah, you can bring your case and I'll take your money. Yeah. You well, know when a solicitor laughs at you. You talk know, about but, a minister doing nothing. To be fair, yeah. Dennis, I think the last time you and I spoke was about the NCT trying to go yes. cashless. And yes. To give him credit where it is due, because they must get it when it's due, Jack Chambers, the responsible minister, said, actually, no, that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. Right. I emailed Jack Cham- Chambers the other day pointing out this. NCT was a monopoly. It was a farce. There hasn't been a word from the Road Safety Authority that cars are going around for 12 months with no checking on them. Yeah, and yeah, every, yeah. This, this is okay. But give him credit for that at least, Dennis. Yes, we'll give him credit for yeah, that. Fair yeah, enough, fair, fair enough. enough. We'll but in general, you, you feel that what happened on Wednesday was, was, was like a kettle boiling over. It was the pot boiling over. And you know what? If people were... The ordinary one of the people... Now, I'm not saying 
that we should be out burning buildings and cows. I'm just saying I admire the French people for doing it. But uh, the law is the law. Mm. Uh, this is a kettle boiling over because we witnessed there. Uh, the other day I passed the driving centre here in Cork and I saw the bonnets open. And I said to my wife, what's the bonnets open in the driving test centre? And she said, no, where the ship was rising not? Oh, they must be able to tell where the water goes and where the oil goes. Like, that is also a harsh sight. That's time wasted. What we need to know is, is this individual safe driving out on the road? Well, you, in fairness, Dennis, I'd have to say that if, you know, yes, part of being a safe driver, I would contend, and I, I'm open to correction, but part of being a safe driver is having the first notion of how the car might work. Listen, PJ, if I want to know finance, I go and see an accountant. How the car works. That's lovely. If there's no 12 months or 13 months like waiting can, yeah, if you can't clean, If you can't clean your windscreen, you should really know where to put the water, shouldn't you? Well, yes, but that's why are they wasting time inside there when there's a backlog of 13 Fair months? Point. Fair point. Fair and point. where they're to establish, does this person, is he safe out on the yeah, road? Yeah, now, whether point. he knows to operate the windscreen washer or where the oil goes is a waste of time. Very nice, very nice things to have if you have no waiting list. Fair point, Dennis. Fair point. And you know what, mate? I'll leave it at that. I've enjoyed it. But we've gone over a few minutes and Mike is sitting waiting. Dennis, thanks. We talk a lot and that was a good call. Appreciate it. Mike. Hi, Mike. Good morning, PJ. Now, looking at uh, what happened on Wednesday, what did yeah, you want to well, say? Your previous call has covered an awful lot of what I, what I was going to say and totally agree with him. This government or coalition, you know, they call them, they've been an absolute disaster. They have treated us, or people of Ireland, with total contempt no respect for us and we've seen it what they've done there they've hoodwinked us on an awful lot of stuff with, especially with the people going to the country that no consultation with communities um, they promised us to be only women and children coming in and the place was flooded now and we have far too many people have to come in we cannot contain these numbers that's my big problem at the moment uh, we don't have the services we don't have the accommodation Plus, they're completely on an overtaxed agenda to every worker in this country, every mortars in this country. We're all completely overtaxed. They're just living cuckoo land, and they've treated us with complete contempt. They have no respect for the for the electorate, and I think we're going to have a complete mess of an election next time around. We're going to have huge voter apathy. And, well, see, there's I the mean, problem, Mike. I'll pull you up on I that know, one. But voter yes. apathy. If I yeah, and I, I've been saying this for as long as I'm doing this job, and I'm mm-hmm. doing it a long time, and before it, I did yeah, a reporter's job. And I covered, the next time if I cover an election, it'll be uh, between elections and referendums, it'll be literally yeah. my 40th election yeah. to cover in my career. And I'm proud of that point. Yeah. The point I'm making is, if you don't turn up on yeah. polling day, this continues. No, I, I will vote. I'll vote anti-establishment. Whatever you want to vote, reason. vote, yeah. I say. But don't, because you know. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael has not walked. It's a complete hypocrisy. It's the greatest hypocrisy in Irish political history. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael together. It's a complete sham. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I don't know time for Sinn Féin. I don't support Sinn Féin. To me, their policies are off the wall. Mm. Uh, so we're in the right mess for 2025. You're stuck so, really, aren't you, Mike? Big time, big time. Absolutely, you know. Mm-hmm. The electorate, unfortunately, have very, very little uh, manoeuvring to do. Um, but like the country is just in a complete mess we've completely overburdened us with, with people coming in we cannot the numbers should have been cut a long long we should have had a ceiling on it and they're on about the obligations to you from Europe we, what about the obligations to your own people well there's a thing now there's, there's a thing that's come up Mike and, and I would have to I, I, first of all I said this at the outset and I'm sick of saying this I could nearly get a t-shirt with it printed on it I said we have to welcome Ukrainian people and give them the assistance 
in their time of need. I've no difficulty with this. But PJ, within reason, you have to only walk. You have to cut your cloth to measure. We people now living in tents in the winter. Let me finish what I'm saying. What hit it, what kilted for me one morning, Mike, I have to say, what kilted for me was I was walking up here. It was, it was a spring morning, but it was cold and it was damp. And I was walking up Patrick Street and I was listening to the news on the radio as I was coming up. And they were talking about members of the cabinet, a late night telephone call because there was 30 Ukrainian refugees had to sleep in Dublin airport. And as I was walking up Patrick Street, there was a poor fellow who sleeps in the doorway of Debenhams and he's kind of saluting people going past and someone just bought him a coffee and he was thanking him. Mm. And I thought to myself, where's his meeting? Yeah. And, and, and Mike, I got called a racist for thinking yeah. like that. Where's we've his been meeting? all labelled right wing, wing, right wing and all this. There's no right wing in Ireland. We all need practical, logical thinking people. Well, no, no. The logical, logic, logic dissipated Wednesday afternoon as far as I'm concerned. But my thoughts were like that. And I think a lot of people think like that. Yeah. You know? We're just being practical, I think. You know, we have only so much room. We have 13,000 people at the moment homeless in this country. Yeah. What about them? We never hear about them. Well, the politicians one, about one in five hotel rooms in our tourist yeah. Well, that's another problem. Oh, Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Our, our tourism sector has been decimated. I mean, did, did, right. and look, did, do you think, and I'm, I'm asking people, do you think that we should put up and say, okay, look, can we ease off now as well because we've no more room? Should we it should do have been that? done two years ago, PJ. Two years ago, we were, we were full, full capacity at that stage. We have students at the moment. Who, there was a lady on yesterday in another station. Her daughter is living in a hotel down in, in, a, in a university. She can't get accommodation in the city. She's living in a hotel, 590 euros a week. Paying. Good, that is absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Can't get student accommodation. So there's a follow from all this, like, you know, massive. And they say when the next election comes, people are going to be in some mess, but they don't know what to do, who they're going to vote for. I'm not affiliated to any party. And I've no time for any of the established parties, any well, of them. Yeah, yeah. There's mothers. I'm just being told here. There's Facebook groups made up of mothers all over the country looking for accommodation, and their kids have started in UCC and started in yeah. MTU earlier yeah. this week. They've, they've nowhere to stay, and they're commuting up and down. Yeah, yeah. that is crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. No, the government will come back and they'll say to you, Dennis, do you or Mike rather, Mike, do you have? spare rooms in your house and you might say yes well yeah. we'll give you we'll allow you to yeah, take in a student for 14,000 yeah. tax free is that yeah. fair is that okay yeah, yeah. I, don't have that. <laughs> yeah I don't, don't have, have that facility. facility but like another thing is they, they're bribing people to bring people into their homes why can you how can you bring people into your homes not even vetted unvetted people into your homes it doesn't make sense no well, a student from down the road down no fair. I'm talking about I'm talking about um, people overseas coming in they give you 8,000 a year or something no. Like who in their right mind is going to bring someone into their home and they're not even vetted? I, I don't know that. people have done that and they're very happy with it yeah. to be fair yeah a former colleague of mine has done that and is very very yeah. very happy with their new friends you know? yeah yeah. So there's a, there's a, we, it's it's a, it's a it's a conversation I'm happy to have, Mike. But we also need to yeah. nuance it a bit. But in terms of what happened on Wednesday, and keep dragging. Coming back to what happened on Wednesday. What happened on Wednesday to me? Look, I don't advocate for violence, street violence, harassment, any of that stuff. But like people, it's frustration and it's the behaviour of our politicians, the way they've run the country in the last four years and previous administration. That is what brought all this about. And unfortunately, we're going to see more of it. And I don't support it in any way. Sure. Someone, someone accused me yesterday off air of scaremongering when I said I would worry that we could have a Joe Cox. Soon. Absolutely. No, that is very, it's, it's 
sadly, it's a reality. No, I, I wouldn't want to see it happening. Yeah. Because everybody goes out and do a job, you know. But like that should that should never happen. It shouldn't happen when it happened in the UK. Either. It should never have happened. So none of us are promoting that kind of behaviour. But the frustration of people is mm. being born out here big time. Well, and there's people who are law-abiding citizens who would have the same uh, anger and frustrations mm. as us. And we're all being labelled, which is all wrong, you know. It's being togs. We're not togs. You know, we're standing up for our country yeah. and our people. That's what we need to do. Yeah, Mike, thank you. Super call. And Dennis, super call before that. There was more. Normally on the second day after a discussion like was yesterday, you get a bit more nuance into the conversation. That's how these things develop. Like, for example, the young woman that was walking out of the doll with Michael Healy Ray, um, initially it was, felt, it was believed her phone had been stolen. It turned out afterwards, there was a video shot, it actually fell out of her handbag while she was moving away with Deputy Healy Wasn't, and we don't know what happened to it afterwards. Did someone pick it up and say, here, sorry, you dropped your phone, which would have been a nice thing to do, or did she walk? We don't know. Um, The impression initially was that it had been robbed from her handbag. That, That doesn't seem to be the case. It fell out. Facts change, information changes. But she was still in a situation where she was probably not paying attention to her handbag or paying attention to her phone because of what was going on around her. There's also that one. 0818969696 on what made you smile? PJ, I sorely miss Monty, my morning jogging partner. Oh, did Monty pass away? Sorry to hear that. I still carry dog biscuits, though, because I meet a lot of other four-legged friends or three-legged Buddy's one of them, <laughs> who love a dog biscuit. This morning, a little later than usual, I met four dogs in a group and children on their way to the school. Two of the dogs got very excited when they saw me because they know me through the dog biscuits. <laughs> one dog is very interesting. He takes the biscuit, then jumps back and barks. Maybe he's saying thanks. It's always nice to meet dogs, and they always make me smile. You know, there's a thing, Michael. There's a thing. Uh, I have, you're sick of me telling you, I have two dogs and I have two cats. Um, and one of the dogs in particular is a little white fella. He's a cavachon called Harry. And he's he's my best buddy. He's my best pal. And there isn't a day goes by that that little beast, that little dog, doesn't make me smile. The night my dad died, I'm sitting in the kitchen at three o'clock in the morning. I'm not in the best of form, as you can imagine. And up comes this little fella, puts one paw on my knee, and looked up at me and made eye contact. And if he could talk, he would have said, I don't know what's going on, but I know you're not all right. And I smiled. Yeah. Dogs, Michael, we don't deserve them, boy. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Big Drive Home with Izzy Showbizzy. So good. On Cords 96FM. Join me weekdays from 4pm where I can guarantee you lots of requests. Hey, Izzy Showbizzy. Can you play Beyonce? Love on top, please. Awesome. The occasional sing-song. Return I try to fly, I fall without my wings. 
and a message from my mother. Hello, Isabel. It's your mother here. It's lovely to hear you're back on the radio. She's the only person that gets away with calling me Isabel. Join me weekdays from 4 p.m. The Big Drive Home. You can drive me with Izzy Showbizzy. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. We have had a few fun messages about stuff stopped at airports. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar with that statue. Stuff stopped at airports and things that made you smile this morning. Um, yeah. I'll come back to them. And also emails. A, a, a quick cursory count of my various emails is bringing me to about 27,000 unread ones. I know, I know. I do- because if it doesn't really interest me, I'm not going to open it. Do you know what I mean? Um, 0818-96-96-96. It's Culture Night tonight. More on that later. But if I don't do this now, I will forget it. In McCroom, they have a special weekend. Not just Culture Night, but their food festival is back this weekend, running from now till the 25th. But they're opening it tonight with a Culture Night event uh, based at the Castle Hotel. Free event. Music from the pile drivers. Are they still going? The pile drivers uh, and loads of other guests and food stalls and fun. And welcome to everyone involved with the McCroom Food Festival returning and kicking off with a culture night event tonight. 0818969696. Also back to some stuff about the protests at the Dáil later. We have about an hour and a half left uh, between now and midday. But Miles Gaffney, you wanted to talk to me a bit about uh, suicide. We have discussed suicide at length on this programme over the years. There have been surges of it. We were very worried about it during COVID. We were worried about it before COVID. And I think you are very worried about it again now because of what you've been hearing. Good morning. How are you, PJ? How are things, boy? I'm well, my friend. What are you hearing? Well, I mean, people are... So from big time, um, again, it's all down to, I suppose, people just not coming forward. Um, I had a young fella there again recently in my own area again. Like, I, I don't know, I'm not sure the, the age, but I think it was in around 13. Like, took his own life. And um, I actually knew the young fella. He used, to, he used to call into my house there and talk about the music and stuff. I actually sang at his funeral. But like, when... What's what's wrong with the society and what's wrong in our country where children that young are taking their own lives or considering it to, to take such action, you know? And we as we put on this concert five years ago and out of that concert, the amount of people that come forward and speak out for help is frightening, PJ. Does that make some noise? Yeah. Uh, that's to make some noise concert, yeah. And again, like... That, that concert came from, from within my own area here in Ochnahini. In one night, five years ago, in a hundred-yard triangle, let's say, there was three people in Ochnahini took their own lives one Sunday night. And um, I actually was going to approach one of the people, one of the individuals, because that person moved into our area. And I know everyone in this area and everybody knows me. And I, I had said it that she looked bothered and on a Thursday morning I said I'm going to approach that girl when I see her on Monday and ask her is she alright new to the area and stuff maybe you know and uh, when I came in Monday morning I was told that she was one of the three that committed suicide and uh, on the Sunday night and then it was all all talked in the CPG and uh, on the social media platforms you know the way it is 
too. Lovely young one, God rest on the poor children and all that. And they were saying, tis, tis grand writing that up now. But there was all talk and no action. Mm-hmm. And they decided something needs to be done here. If, if you spotted that and, she was looking a bit off and, and you were a total stranger, then someone else must have. Yeah, well, it, look, I, I got familiar with the, with the family afterwards and I know them well now. And, you know, I, I was right. There was underlying issues there and um, different problems that the girl faced. But as I say, I, I just, it's something that calls me that. I didn't act on when I said I would. Why did I wait? Do you know? And I wrote a song actually about her, and it's uh, it's one of the new songs there that I released there a couple of months ago. Mm. Lisa Marie, it's called. And in 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 the line of the song, it says, "Do you know? Um, while I was planning on saying hello, you were planning on saying goodbye." That's a and, good line. Man. You know, it's it's, and um, the next time that I see Lisa Marie, I hope you won't be shy. And the last time I saw you, I only took a glance. But it was my last chance, do you know? Mm. And and that's all I came from from that event that time. And here we are now, five years later, and we managed to keep it going through the pandemic and all. Like, you and got it going on I, the Sunday, Sunday week, haven't you? No, Saturday. Saturday week, Saturday sorry. The top, Saturday yeah. week, yeah. yeah. You know, and as I said to the RPG, we'll go about, um, like, um, the people coming forward, right? When I when I used to cover the post uh, run on the Shandon area, the week after we announced the first concert, <clears throat> I was walking down the North Mile with the post and a van pulled in and this guy got out of the van and he shook me hand and he says to me, uh, thanks very much. He taught me that he had his note written and that he was planning on leaving and he had everything sorted but when I went on social media and announced that we were doing this concert to bring the community and the people together to make them aware of the services and the help through Shine the Light Mental Health Suicide mm. Awareness he said that he changed his mind and he sought help but he, he was he shook my hand I said I don't know what you're thanking me for I said sure like I I only I only made a leap to to try and make a difference, but that's what he taught me. So my point is, from this concert, people do come forward, you know? Yeah. Three, three, and, and it's on again uh, on, on Saturday week at Firk and Crane at quarter to eight, but three, as you report there to me, in one night, in one part of Cork City, well, that that's epidemic. And, and here's a problem from our point, or our side of the table. We don't hear the actual levels and the public doesn't get to hear the actual levels because the limitations on us in this job on reporting on suicide, there are limitations. For good reason, there are limitations. Um, but I got into, I mean, personally, I got into trouble years ago with, 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 with certain people in the suicide authorities, shall we say, for talking about um, what I felt and what others felt was a suicide epidemic. Got in trouble about it. And because the official figures, and I would say the official figures and the reality, are some distance apart, would you agree with me there? Yeah, I think, I think. Do you know what? No, PJ, you got in trouble many years ago. But would, would I be right in saying to you here now, right? And I, I hate describing such such an issue as suicide as normal. No, would I be wrong in saying that? Would I? Does that come across wrong? 
Is use whatever. It, I, what use use is, your own words, this, Miles. It's your point. Go on. Is this is this acceptable now? Is is it kind of like uh, another one? Is that kind of terminology that we are that we are no. using now in society? No. Or another another one? No. You know, there's people no. there. There's people from twelve and thirteen years of age either taking their own lives up to people in their eighties, all through the ages. You'd have to stand back and ask, like, what is going on here? Like, why is, is it, it that pr- they feel that's the only option? Is the que- is how I word it, the question? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the answer is who nobody knows. The only the only answers you will get are the people that come forward, but the people that go, go and 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 take their own lives quietly, we'll never know because never know. it's it's taken with them unless unless there's some sort of an explanation left behind. Which is um, rare enough. Family, families are left in limbo, like they don't know, you know. Yeah. But the people that come forward for, for help. I mean, I met somebody at a charity event there a couple of months ago again, and just talking, like, and the individual told me that her mother had taken her own life, and even though she she said a kind of, you know, um, kind of as again normal enough conversation, maybe she had dealt with it, but I could still see it in her eyes, like that. that the heart was there of the unknown, you know. We, we talk about it. If you lose a, people who've lost a family member through suicide, they talk about it as. And, and you're right, Miles. And 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 these are words that I, I use carefully because I don't want them to hurt. But we sometimes talk about it. If there was a suicide in your family or your circle, we sometimes talk about it as if it was ordin as ordinary as somebody dying from cancer. That is. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's a it's a shocking but very true observation. Yeah, I, and it's just I remember years ago. I'm not going to mention his name now because I went to school. With this guy, we were great friends. He, that individual, was the first guy I ever. Maybe I was about eighteen or nineteen, and I remember going to his funeral and thinking, "Whoa, what, 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 what happened here? Like, why, why did he do this? Like, what, what's the story?" We yeah, were very young and him. naive, and then it was my first time ever going and knowing why I was going to this funeral and, and what happened. And then it just seemed to just gradually progress and progress where, yeah. again, forgive my words, it became like a trend. It was like one after the other. And like if you walk through Kilcully out there, which I often do in that cemetery, and St. Finbar's, two of them cemeteries I go to regularly, if if you walk through those aisles, especially where a lot of Northsiders are buried in Kilcully and people from my area, it's absolutely frightening. Yeah. The yeah. amount of young boys yeah. and girls that yeah. I know growing up. Yeah. And you'll be walking past the page and you'll be going, Geez, remember him? Remember her? It's it's funny you that know, you say that, Miles. It's funny that you say that because you're not the first person to say it to me. I was up there a few years ago visiting a friend's grave. Um and someone who recognized me said to me, Will you walk? Walk with me. And this is uh, this is eight or nine years ago now. Once we walked along Suicide, 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 suicide. Yeah, never and forget that. And they made me promise not to ever reveal who they were. But yeah, and yeah. that's another thing. While we're on the the confidential side of thing, right? I have people. I had people come to my front door. No, I I'm I'm only here trying to make a change and and help people. Through shining light, suicide mental health awareness, and through my friendship with Joe Dalton, right? So, like, I I really don't have the answers, or, but what I can do 
is in the strictness of confidence. I can make a phone call on somebody's behalf. And once that phone call is made, then it's basically gone out of my hands, PJ. Do you know what I mean? You've done, you've done, I, I, you've done your bit. You've done yeah, your like bit. I came off a stage. I came off a stage. I was saying this to Emo the other day. I came off a stage, right, one night and I had about 13 missed calls on Messenger, on Facebook. No, not many people would phone me on that. And I don't take calls on it anyway. Mm. And I just said, it was quarter past 11. And I, the first thing you do when you come off the stage is you pick up your phone and sit down. And I said, no, there's just something wrong here. And I rang the person back, and they were hysterical, right? And I, w- I won't go into it, the whole story, but I rang Joe that hour of the night, like, and Joe answered me. Yeah. And this is said, Joe, Joe, this Joe is Dalton from Shine Light, who happens yeah. to be, it's a good opportunity to bring him in, uh, Miles. He's on the other line. Hi, Joe. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good morning, Miles. Um, and, and, How are you, Joe? What's very sad now is I'm going to have to come to an end of this shortly because I have stuff to do, but but um, that has to be done. But the two of you, Miles, we'll talk again. I promise you we'll talk again. Yeah, but Joe, talk away to Joe. The the event, no, no, stay there. The event that's on Firkin Crane tomorrow night week, there's no rugby on, so just get up and watch, go to this event, quarter to eight, Saturday 30th September, make some noise, Cork, and your your the beneficiary is Shine Light, Joe from Shine Light. Joe, this guy's doing his absolute best, isn't he? Morning. Yeah, Moyes is great for us, you know, he's, he contacted us there five years ago, as he said, and this event has gone on for the last five years, and we're about to... Um, uh, you know, embarking on it again on Saturday week, the 30th of September. And uh, we just want to let people know that there are services available to them in their communities, both locally and nationally. And also, you know, if they contact us, we can signpost people to those services and get them the, the help that they need. Um, as everybody knows, the services are under serious pressure. Um, but they're doing their best. But like the thing is, we need we need more funding from government and things like that into the different services and to, to resource them properly to, to give us a proper mental health system uh, in, in this country. But our job is to signpost people and provide counselling at lower cost to them and, uh, you know, try and ease the burden on people, especially, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate that people have to... Um, pay exorbitant amount of money in private to get private mental health services and and we can't get in public health service and they're being restricted to getting the help that they need by not having the funds to um, access those services. So we do our little bit uh, in supporting people in that regard by providing uh, counselling at low cost to them and uh, we signpost people to the professionals all our, all our people in China, there's only 14 of us in the group, but everybody is, we're trained in safe talk and we're trained in assist. And uh, what we do is we signpost people to the professionals so we take over from there. And our counselling services is run through Cushcam, you know, in, in under the under SHEP, the social health and education programme. I, I remember when it was being set up, Joe, um, we said we'd support you whenever we can, and we and we always do. Um, Miles, where can people get tickets for the event? So the tickets are available on the Falcon Crane 
uh, website. Just go into What's On, go into the Make Some Noise concert, click book now, get your tickets. Um, you can also, the people in Fork and Crane are fantastic. You can give them a call in the counter if you're not tech savvy like myself. Mm. And just is the legend Anne still in there, is she? And and it's still there, yeah, she is, yeah. She's still going by. Good, good, good support. They'd have to demolish it if wasn't yeah. there. Just... Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> but look, we have a great line-up. We have the two boys, uh, Dylan Brickley, Corey Power, just straight out from the back of their appearance. Electric, Electric picnic, picnic stars, have... if you don't mind, yeah. Yeah, we have Borky, uh, another rising staff. Um, we have the Mishnuck, the cabin crew. Um, I suppose I'd have to do a song show, wouldn't I? You might have to and, do one, uh, or, one, one be or two, wouldn't you? It'd be a shame if I didn't. And uh, <laughs> we have Paul McCarthy. Hello, my friend, Paul. Paul's the MC on the evening. Um, mm. I just racked my brain. I covered everyone down there, didn't I? I did, yeah. Right. So it's going to be a great night of entertainment. And okay. uh, it, it always is. But you know the vibe in the room that night, PJ, and I, I, this is what I want people to hear me saying. Sure. Come along. By attending this and by buying your ticket, you're a part of saving somebody's life, right? And when, when you go into that room that night and feel the camaraderie and the unity of people, it's a sad time, but it's a happy time. It's a sense of achievement that, look, we're here together and we're here to help. And we'll all stand Do together you... and help one another. Do you know what it is that's, that's to miles? And, and I've never been to one, but I know people who go religiously every year and it's exactly that. The, the, the positivity and the love and the warmth in the room. Isn't it so sad that... It's, it's sad. While you're it's doing sad. that, somebody is st- sitting somewhere else making their yeah, plan. And, and if they only that, saw that it. love you know, that's out there... And you know what Joe said to me after the first gig? Because my plan, first of all, was right. I'm going to get a load of money here now, and I'm going to give it to Joe and shine a light. And they are going to, we're going to sort out this problem. And next thing, anyway, it was a load of businessmen, the first you know, that were firing money in. And it was a handy few bob. And Joe said to me afterwards, he says, my it's is great what you're doing. He says, but can I tell you one thing, boy? He said, money won't fix this problem, and money won't stop this. And the penny dropped in my head. And I was like, he's right. I know. He's right. And I've learned so much from Joe. Like, I've learned so much from him yeah. about yeah. the whole awareness thing. It's, 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 he, I tell you, and another thing, why would I put Joe Dalton's name forward there for the, for the key of the city? That's what he needs. Because the man is a saint, I'm telling you. The man You're up on that pedestal yourself, Miles, for doing this and deservedly so. Joe, I'll let you finish this because I've got to go to a, a commercial break. But we, money won't fix this. As Miles said, and as you told him, what will do you think? Well, well, money does play a factor. In it. Actually, it does. You know what I mean. But it's not money alone that does it. It's, it's raising the awareness around it and getting people to, um, especially um, in the early stages of it. You see, the mental health in Ireland, the, the majority of mental health issues in Ireland are anxiety and depression. Almost sixty percent of people suffer from anxiety and depression. But and if you can get people in early to services, get them the help that they need in the initial stages, it can prevent long-term mental health issues uh, taking place. Then, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. Early intervention. Early, early intervention is, is is key to this, and it, it stops the the mental health services being put under pressure by people developing long-term mental health issues. Okay, well, we're going to leave it at that, Joe, for no reason other than time. I'm sorry I have more time to spend. I will another day, I promise. Great success. I wish great success to your event, 30th September 
at uh, Firkin Crane, Joe Dalton of Shine a Light and the great Miles Gaffney. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96FM. Yeah, I'd still get good stories of things that were taken out of your luggage. Um, I love that one. I've heard of that statue, Brian. Uh, I'll tell the story in a little while, but there is a very, very famous statue in Brussels. I've seen it. It's called the Mannequin Piece. It is called the Mannequin Piece. Basically, it's a little boy taking a wee-wee, like a fountain. Um, Brian has a story connected with that. Um, (laughs) I'll read that in a while. And one or two other beauties that have been taken out of people's hand luggage or someone stopped and said, come here a second, what exactly is that? But nothing quite as daft as a foam sword. A foam toy sword taken off a poor child. Rebecca was on about that earlier on this morning. Also some nice stuff coming in that makes you smile. Uh, I saw this dog this morning. Just the happiest creature in Ireland, I'd say. He was just having a dip and a swim and a drink in the fountain after his morning walk. And there's his two owners. Definitely was two now that I think of it. Uh, watching him. And all we could watch him was joy and and pride. Do you know what gave you joy? What will give you joy today? We would sincerely hope that what will give us joy is the right results in uh, in Paris tomorrow night. But but that's a, that's kind of out of our hands, and that's a big big thing. But what little thing happened to you today or this week that gave you joy? I hear that story in the news about the bins. This is interesting. We've three bins. I've, I've had this uh, food bin for a couple of years now handy enough to manage you know you put the you buy the bags and you put the food in the you know yourself it's grand it's fine but this survey from the Environmental Protection Agency that loads of people don't have food bins or or brown bins yet so they're throwing the food into their general waste and then they also don't really know how to recycle so they're putting some of their recycling into the general waste and it's causing all sorts of problems um, brown bin's easy to, I'd have a question about the brown bin the food bin if anybody can help me with this actually I'd appreciate it can, when I cut the grass I have grass to cut this evening if that weather holds otherwise it'll, I'll have a hedge before, before the end of the month um, can I put grass cuttings into the food bin I don't know whether I can or not it's hard to tell I know you can put flower cuttings and leaves and hedge cuttings into it can I put grass into it I don't know whether you can or not. And and with recycling, a lot of people don't realise the soft plastic now that goes around packaging, the soft packaging, that can go in, soft plastic can go into your recycling bin. They brought that in in 2021. It's, that's not to go into general waste now. But the, the EPA say that um, they're still finding a huge amount of the wrong stuff. They're going through our bins like, they're going through our bins. Oh, look, I did hear some fella saying this morning, I think a fella called Warren Phelan, he's the gaffer at the EPA, and he said that they may have to look at sanctions if people don't start using their bins right. That would worry me now. 
That would bother me. 0818-969696. I might leave it till Monday. I will actually leave it till Monday to tell you about what happened to me last night because it made me very angry for a little while um, about cold calling. There is a major, or there are people saying they are from a major energy supplier who are currently cold calling and last night were cold calling near me up around Maryborough Hill. And I wasn't at all happy with them. I'll tell you about it more on Monday, but I wasn't happy. But I was looking to know the, the rules on call. Like, is, it a, is it okay? And I'll just throw this out there to you, and we'll do more on it on Monday. Is it okay to cold call at my front door, or anybody's front door, that might just, just mine, at 20 to 9 at night? Is it okay, 20 to 9 at night, to call to my door trying to sell me something? All right? D has a fantastic story about stuff com- confiscated at airports. That's coming up shortly. Hours to protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96 FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we look ahead to the very first car free day in Cork City. Tomorrow, Cork City Centre will be car-free from 12 noon until 6.30pm. Cork has been designated by the EC as one of 100 European locations, leading the transition to become a climate-neutral city. The Transport and Mobility Forum Cork is a representative group of organisations who have a common interest in sustainable and active travel. Dr Darren McAdam O'Connell is the coordinator. This is not a new idea and there's not one place it's come from. You know, um, ever since cars were first driven into cities, um, people have wished that they could have the peace and quiet and the space back in their cities. So there has always been a push from this right from the 1950s. You know, there's an exhibition in the Crawford at the moment with with a film showing about how um, architecture and planning students in the 1960s um, were campaigning very strongly to get the streets back, streets of the city back from cars. This is something that's always been pushed. It's only now we're finally we're finally uh, achieving that to get a more equal balance between the rights of people to enjoy their city and then the rights of other people to drive through it. We we have to to um, emphasise this is about giving back the streets in the city centre to the people of Cork, getting people out onto the streets, which should be a social space. Now, and we're doing this without limiting any access for cars to anywhere the cars need to go. All the car parks will still be open. There will be no routes through the city that you won't be able to take. All of the streets are already bypassed. Um, you should never be driving down those streets in any case unless you're going to that street. And the likes of blue badge holders and that will still be allowed in, as will taxis and buses and any critical deliveries. And the reason why we're choosing a Saturday afternoon is because businesses tell us a Saturday afternoon it's when they want people in shopping or or, or, or eating or socialising and spending money and they're too busy to be accepting deliveries at that time anyway. 
The Car Free Day initiative comes following research commissioned by Cork City Council's Climate Action Unit that reveals 29% of greenhouse gas emissions in Cork City are caused by road transport. Another survey showed nearly two-thirds of people living in Cork strongly agree that the city must transform into a more sustainable place to live and work. The survey also found Cork people have a good understanding of the most effective actions needed to reduce carbon emissions. Other findings from the survey revealed 86% of Cork people People want more pedestrianised streets and 89% want more trees on city streets. Most car journeys, you will actually go quicker walking in the city. And it's just habit that has people driving. We're not talking about people who are living out in, in isolated rural areas where this is not possible. In the city centre, transport is the largest proportion of our greenhouse gas emissions in terms of climate change. But perhaps more importantly, in the city, The particulates, the pollution that's given off locally, we're not talking about from anywhere distance, just locally on the streets you're on, have have a huge effect on health. And the person that affects most is the people in the cars. Actually, you know, the closer you get to the source of pollution, the more effect it has on you. And and it's it's so severe that the studies have shown that driving every day rather than walking and cycling doubles your risk of death in a year. It takes 10 to 20 years off your life expectancy. Every time somebody drives through the city, they're putting their their own health at risk. They're damaging their own health. They're damaging the health of the people around them. So even for one day, to have that cleaner air, to allow more people to get out and exercise on the street because there's pretty much nothing better for your health, will have a meaningful effect. This Saturday, the quays will be open to traffic as normal and street closures will be applied to Patrick Street, North Main Street, Corn Market Street, Castle Street and Adelaide Street from 12 noon to 6.30. Buses and taxis will be able to access Patrick Street as normal. Cork City Green Party Councillor Oliver Moore in hopes instead of tomorrow's initiative being seen as unusual, it can be seen as the beginning of a new normal for Cork. The irony is that when people visit places like Kildare Village, what they're visiting is a simulation of a town centre without cars. That's what's so attractive about it. It's the same with out-of-town shopping centres like Mountain Point. You park your car and you walk around the shops. The survey released this week by Cork City Council showed 86% of people want more pedestrian streets. Traders associations are coming around to this too. That's a huge difference between now and four years ago to have the traders on board and behind this. What it will do as well is give a sense of where Cork is going in the near future when bus connects is in place, when hopefully the Lewis is in place and we're less car dependent. But we can experience some of that now and start building towards it. What I would say to other motorists, and remember I'm a motorist too, is to come into town like you ordinarily would. Yes, it's car free day, but if you usually drive into town, then drive into town like you ordinarily would, park in a car park like you ordinarily would. The difference will be that you can now walk around, shop and enjoy the city centre freely, like that Kildare Village experience, but in a real way. Sure, it would be great if you took the bus or cycled in or used a park and ride, but there's no need. What I want people to get out of this Saturday is that yes, This is manageable and actually a really good thing and it should be every day of the week and not just one day a year. To learn more about Car Free Day, visit Cork City Council online or check the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI and funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. And ours to protect back next week. Jackie says, yes, PJ. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Jackie says, yes, PJ, you can put grass in your brown bin. After all these years, horsing it down to the, to the woods, 
to put it in where everyone else puts their grass and their cutting. <laughs> Excuse me, Jack. Thank you. After all these years, I can put grass in the brown bin. Now that makes me smile. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Thank you for this message, Peter. I heard you mention the McCroom Food Festival. This is from Dave. Uh, I'm from the town and delighted to see so much happening these days. There's a big night in the Castle Hotel tonight. Yeah, that's a culture night event to do with the food festival. Uh, food, music and food and all that. Tickets, 25 quid. Should be a great night. Thanks for promoting the event, says Dave. Um, and thank you for contacting me, Dave. And McCroom is benefiting... I. The bypass is there now and you can drive from just outside McCroom to almost just outside Balaburni. And I know that, I think the plan anyway, is that before Christmas, you'll be able to go straight from just before McCroom there to the county bounds, which means if you don't have to go into McCroom, that's great. Uh, If you do want to go into McCroom, you can go in there without that awful traffic that used to be going through the place day and night. That new road. Does anybody at that end know, just randomly, when the last bit is due to open? That's the bit that goes from, goes past Balavorni and joins with the bounds. Because I was on that road uh, a couple of weeks ago now. I was down in Kerry for a weekend. I drove down and the the, the bypass it comes out now. Just It finishes for now at least, just before Balavorni. But I know that they're supposed to join up. There's a fabulous job of engineering going up to join up the rest of it up at the bounds. I wonder what the time scale is there. 0818 96 96 96. On the bins. Why didn't I know this? Ashling. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, about the food bin. Yes, you can push grass cuttings and hedge cuttings. Anything from your garden you, you can clear. Be it hedges or grass, you can throw into your compost bin. Yeah, we do it all the time. That makes me so happy today. Now, D, <laughs> this could have been potentially embarrassing or worse. Good morning. What happened? Oh, what happened? We're in Switzerland. We're coming home and we get to the airport and they say the flight never came from London. There's a problem with the plane. They're going to have to put a new plane on and your luggage won't make it back today. Is that a problem? And I said, no, no, sure, it's only full of dirty clothes. That's grand. And then my son informs me, Mom, I put something in the suitcase. I said, did you? What? Fireworks. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Dear God, I nearly had a heart attack. So wrapped up, wrapped up in his manky jocks. (laughs) He's a box of shocks. And they're going, oh, Jesus Christ. We'll hear that tomorrow that there's a plane went down, there was an explosion in it. God. <laughs> or worse still, or worse still, right, that a bag <laughs> was subjected to a controlled explosion. <laughs> <laughs> On the runway. 
mother of God. There was a knock on the door next morning. I thought it was going to be the guards. Right. And here's your man with my suitcase. There you go. Sorry about the delay. <laughs> so that'll tell you. I was they, checking had, they did. Had, had, they, had they taken them out? Nope. They were still inside the suitcase. <laughs> still wrapped up in the socks and jocks, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. brilliant. Come here, you've oh. had good news today. You have a reason to smile. I have. What happened, I had eh? a big smile that morning. I came down to find a letter on the mat and I opened it and it was my refund from the cross-border directive after 22 you... weeks. I was going to say that. That was nearly six months. <laughs> 22 weeks. What, you remind people what you got, what got done again. What, you, you, got, you went over I to Spain. I had knee surgery in I had knee surgery. In Spain? Yeah. All right. I was remind fantastic. People remind people again. Which I was on last Tuesday with Carol. <laughs> oh, I know, but remind me. Uh, yeah, I, um, I decided after two years waiting here that I'd apply and go with cross-border directive across to, or with Healthcare Abroad yeah. across to Spain. And I went over, had my knee done, came home a week later. Everything was amazing over there. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's supposed to be 12 weeks, isn't it? Uh, well, the first thing I was told was six to eight weeks. Right. <laughs> then the credit union said 14 weeks. I said, okay, we'll deal with that. Yeah. And then when nothing was arriving, I kept checking and checking. And then I rung and they said, uh, ooh, it still hasn't been signed off. I'm sorry. So um, I rung again on Monday and the guy I was talking to said, listen, we're having trouble putting it into your account. And I felt like saying, why is, it, is the money too heavy to carry to the bank? <laughs> and uh, he said, um, would you mind if we sent you a cheque? <laughs> I said, not at all. Send right. it. <laughs> right, okay. So the cheque arrived this morning. Good. Well, that's good. That's good. That's great. Fantastic. Uh, I was yeah. a long wait. Yeah. And, and, and the knee is good and all, is it? Oh, fantastic. I'm flying around the place again. Thank God. Good for you. Pain free at long last. Brilliant. There are there are delays. Did I mean no? Did they did the credit union get angsty with you at all, looking for money? No. Oh, not at all. They, they no. I had to pay the loan the whole time. Right. But if I needed money, if I got stuck, I went up and they gave it to me out of my savings because they know all the money is going to go back into my savings as soon as I deposit this check. I have yeah. So that you, yeah, because sometimes with the credit union, if if, if it a big loan no. out, you can't touch your own money. But they they don't, there was no problem yeah. with that. No happen. problem whatsoever. Oh, great. None. Great. Where would we be? Where would we be, Valerie? Only our uh, D D only for only for <laughs> Valerie's next. It's all right. It's I'm Friday. telling you. Where would we be only for the humble credit union? Huh. Exactly. Right. Listen, have a great. <laughs> thanks a, to them and thanks a, to Healthcare Abroad. Yeah, have, I won't say it about cross border. And have a great day. Have a great day, D. That's a great story. The fireworks came home safe in the bag. Of dirty socks and jocks. It's Valerie, I was waiting to get you in. Valerie, you have something that makes you smile, not just today, but every day. <laughs> Good morning, PJ. Hi. Well, firstly, you, you made me cry earlier on because I thought of my own dog. I lost her a year and a half ago yeah. and I can't get over it. But anyway, I go to the uh, ESB every morning. When I did uh, most mornings, my husband's a security guard. And I swear to God, if you just went out there to have a look at the rabbits, they are just divine. I suffer a chronic pain, Peter. Where, where's this again now? The ESB in Wilton. All right. Yeah. And I go out there and I tell you, forget I forget my pain every time I see them. They're just beautiful. Is beautiful. This ju- were you down near the roundabout, is it? 
Yeah, well, you just go around the roundabout as if you're going for Tesco, DSB's yeah, just there. Yeah, yeah. And I swear, just... In you know, over the wall? In over the wall. If you look, especially around April, when the sun is rising. Yeah. And you see them, they're right in front of the gate and then my husband opens the gate and they're, they're just divine, I swear. You just look up to the sky and you, whatever God you have, you just say, thank you, God, for such a wonderful day. They're so, they make you so happy. They love the morning, don't they? They love the sunrise. Oh, and they're there in the evening as well because I pick them up at, ha- at half eight and they're always out. And he says to me, he says, he, he says, uh, I tell you now, he said, that they're definitely in a cult. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'd be watching them at about five o'clock or whatever time anyway. They go in line up against the bush and they're looking up into the sky, he said, praying. <laughs> Yeah. Ra- hang on a minute. No, no. <laughs> All right, stop. No, no. Uh, so, 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 okay. Rabbits get yeah. in a line. Yeah. And look up at the sky. Yeah. Is this like before or after he goes to the pub? <laughs> Maybe he's hallucinating going to the pub. <laughs> <gasps> but oh, they're just oh did the baby rabbits oh my goodness and I said to him he says to me the foxes to be around I said you hunt the foxes anyway you keep whatever about security and the gate security and the foxes oh god that's <laughs> gas that's that's gas well no, really uh, we're asking people Valerie what makes them smile today or what made them smile today would you get a smile out of your bunny rabbits every single morning thanks Valerie and there's the thing now can anyone explain that she says that her husband sees the rabbits in a line, okay, in a line, in a lina, right? I don't know how many of them, in a lina, looking up at this guy, whether they're praying or whatever. Does anybody know anything about that? Has anybody seen that before? I remember um, in the past when I'd be coming back from doing gigs, particularly in the summer, and you may, might have been doing a, a gig a bit up the country, like you could have been as far away in the summertime, you could be in Ennis or you could be in Galway or you could be anywhere uh, doing a gig. And if you weren't staying over, um, which sometimes did, you could be heading back into town. <sighs> could be three o'clock, half, well, it could be four o'clock, half four in the morning, long drive down. And in the summertime, the sun would be starting to come up in the sky at that hour of the morning. And the Jack Lynch Tunnel, as you'd enter the tunnel on the green down there, the old green, it's all gone now with the new roads, but there used to be hundreds of rabbits. I mean, hundreds of them. I always do remember that. And Emma said, we've bunny rabbits in the field next to our house. They're the most regal, beautiful thing to watch. Just sitting there, peacefully. I agree with Valerie. Have you seen them, Emma, lining up, praying? <laughs> that's what, at least that's what... Oh. 0818-96-96-96. Stuff that makes you smile. Actually... Uh, yeah, I'm missing the thing. I'm going to miss it badly. The thing that makes me smile for the next uh, few months now, because tomorrow is the equinox. Tomorrow, the 23rd September, Saturday, is the equinox. And that is the time when the daylight and the night are the exact same length, bar a minute or two. And the next time that happens will be towards the end of February. And then, in the first couple of days of March, we will begin to see sunrises again as I'm coming into town. And there's very little makes me smile more than a beautiful sunrise. And I miss them terribly. 
from now until March, maybe even late February if we're lucky, I miss the sunrise, something terrible. And what's nice is coming in here sometimes in the winter when it gets a really late sun, sunrise, you get bright winter, crisp morning, you get a sunrise at maybe 10 past 8 and that's lovely. But you're not out there because you're in here working. That makes me smile at sunrise. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Brian had a story about stuff being confiscated from his suitcase. I was on holidays with my parents in Brussels when I was a kid, he says. There's a very famous statue in Brussels known as the Mannequin P or Mannequin Piss. P.I.S. It's basically a boy taking a leak like a fountain. My dad decided that a replica statue would be lovely for the garden. Bought it in the shop. They wrapped it up, popped it in the bag. He said he wanted to take it through as hand luggage because he didn't want to get it broken in the big case, which makes sense. So <laughs> we arrive at airport security and the bag goes through. The police start to arrive and dogs start to arrive and then we're pulled aside and they turn on the monitor and there on the x-ray looks like the body of a child they questioned what it was my father was sweating and said it was the statue they opened the bag very slowly and very gently (laughs) pulled out the statue as a child I have been permanently scarred by it people were staring and my mother was mortified they did let us through, though. They, they let you take the statue, Brian. <laughs> There's a body of a child in the back. Oh, God. Can you just imagine? And the worst sin of all, of course, was mortifying your mother. You must go through life, never mortify your mother. In 2001, or 2003, rather, we were flying out of Shannon to New York. My wife and daughter went upstairs to use the loo and go to the restaurant. I was queuing up to check in. The luggage was all stacked on the trolley. On the top was a three-foot rag doll called Rosie. This guy appeared out of nowhere and asked, was I travelling alone? I picked up Rosie and said yes and started laughing, but he was having none of it. I was removed from the queue and he took me to a back room and searched me and my belongings from head to toe. It took about half an hour. As he was leaving, leaving me out back into the queue, he said, it's not so funny now, is it? I picked <laughs> Make you look you were in shot. I picked up Rosie and I waved her little hand at him, started laughing and said, it's not funny, it's hilarious. Thank you, me. Uh, now, this is a great story. Uh, Dan Cronin, how many uh, GAA programmes do you actually have? Good morning to you. Hi, PJ Hurtings. Good. Postman um, near McCroom. I probably have... Postman near McCroom, yeah, out around the Kilmore area is my is my post route. I suppose at a somewhere in around five thousand programs, maybe wow. give or take. Wow. <laughs> I, I, you I don't actually, sound old enough. Ah, uh, well, uh, I have very good friends. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, thankfully, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not old enough to have, have gone to that many matches, but um, yeah, look, sir, I've just accumulated them over. Over the time, and mm. just I suppose people have given them to me. And you know, I've as I say, I have, I do have very good friends, and there's a big collecting community who we swap stuff. And you know, yeah. there's 
there's a big thing you know it's a, it's a very good community like I had an extra neighbour one time um, who always had a match programme from whatever he'd been at on the Saturday or the Sunday, which was all Sunday then. He always had the match programme and he'd be reading it for days after everyone, how, how much was in any particular. But when did you start collecting? Well, sure, I suppose, essentially, I was as I always say, I'm probably collecting all my life without actually being, without knowing it because I never throw anything away. You know, I'd have, you know, anything football cards that I collected when I was small, whatever <clears throat> programs that my father went to matches, everything I just kept. Mm. I just probably kept everything. And I suppose as, as time went by, it just got a little bit more serious. And then I suppose I've started to kind of just concentrate on getting as many Cork GA programs of every hue as possible. Now yeah. I suppose it's my main, yeah. my main purposes this yeah. <laughs> and do you what do you do you catalogue them or do you put them in shelves in order or what do you do with them um I do I suppose it sounds very geeky but we have I have Excel files with the ones that I have and I have the monster program the monster football finals in one shelf and the car county finals in in books on different shelves and yeah it's 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 well organized because I suppose if you didn't have it organized you might get something from PJ and then you might get something from Michael and you end up with getting doubles and triples and you wouldn't know where you'd be going. Now, do you, you, know, so I suppose you were particularly interest, interested in county finals and is that county finals at any level? No, well, I suppose, yes, at any level, but I suppose I kind of, maybe a few years ago, I got back, I got two 1947 car county finals. So... With a bit of research, there's very few Cork County final programs previous to that. So I kind of use them as a benchmark and move right. forward to the current day. Right. And so I ascertained there's 166 matches after being played between replays in Cork County senior hurling and football finals. And I happen to have 159 of the 166 matches. Wow. To the best of my knowledge, that's what... Um, that's what I can maintain. Now, before 47, there may have been programs, but with the war and different things, and I know there's one, maybe one or two that exist, but like one, 47 seems to be a kind of a benchmark, and I'm missing seven, one hurling and six football Hang in on. that period of time. I'm missing like. just one hurling, and it's the, I'm, it's 1949, I think, is it? Yeah, it's the, the Glenn and Amy Killy. Mm, as far as I can remember, yeah. Yeah, at a time. that's one hurling final, and it's that, been a bad year. For, it's a, it's it, been a bad year for the Glen. Uh, you're looking unfortunately, for the yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Amy Killy, Amy Killy are still going, so they they'd be happy enough. Like, know, yeah, yeah. Maybe someone <laughs> that, in the Glen and so, or someone in Amy Killy. You're looking for a copy. I know you're looking for this. You're looking for a copy of the 1949 county final yeah. program. Yeah, senior hurling final. Yeah. Yeah, like other than about three weeks ago, I got a copy of the 1948 one. So um, they do exist yeah. here and there. And then I suppose the football, there's a, there's a few more, there's a few more gaps in the football. Like, And I suppose kind of annoyingly, two of them gaps are belong to my own town in McCroom. Really? So it is, um, yeah, so hopefully somebody somebody has them somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because back then, I mean, now, now a match programme is... Uh publication like it's a big thick yoke but back then there were oh, there's, little yeah. bits of 
uh, old what do you see what was the name of that thing they used there was a, a name for it it was, you, it was a roller you turn it off in a roller yeah uh, oh god what kind was of the lithograph name? kind of a job yeah, yeah. lithograph was it or something I said yeah. yeah oh god it was um, it wasn't photocopied it was something else you roll it off and that's all they did with them yeah yeah, essentially, like you were dealing with, um, up to a certain point, you were dealing with A4 pages turned over. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you just had, you just had, um, the front page, the team in the middle, and probably an ad in the back. You had a, and you had an ad over the the team pages sometimes, and even if there was a second match on, most of the time the second team wasn't even the second game wasn't even printed with teams. You just had the first, um. You just had the first team down, the first match, the senior match down, like, and that was it. Yeah. So if whoever was playing the second match, they didn't get their, they didn't get any chance to go into the program, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And trying to think of the name of the machine, Gestetner used to make the machine. I don't tell you how geeky I am. I remember, I remember teachers. Used to, <laughs> I know teachers used to, and that's where the expression "run them off" came from. Teachers used to right. run, roll them off, making making handouts for. For class, and that's what an awful lot of the older programs were. And the ink, oh, it would have been operating at all. They were gone. They were gone. You see, yeah, that's the thing. And the paper obviously wasn't maybe the best quality. And I suppose um, sometimes, look, the crowds would have been small at matches and stuff, and there mightn't have been as many as many of them appearing. Like so, yeah. there was one program that you actually a, a rarity um, between. Was it Kerry and Cap? You had it in your hands the 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 time they played the All Ireland football final in New York. Yeah, the Polo Grounds. Yeah, like as I say, it's one of the rarer football finals that's going about. Obviously, because it was in um, New York. Unfortunately, it tends to come up to auction. It would be expensive, but there was a guy who had it, um, and he he unfortunately he wouldn't part with it. He wouldn't. Well, he yeah. might part with it for a certain sum of money, but really. Um, yeah, but as I say, at least I went to I, I went to the trouble. I, at least I had it in my hand. Yeah, but as yeah. I say, <laughs> you weren't earning that much money. Sin- yeah. No, but since then, um, as I say, I've kind of concentrated on the, the county finals, I suppose, and yeah. maybe the foot the the football stuff is uh, mm. is coming from a chrome like would be closer to my heart. Brilliant. And you would you wouldn't like, you wouldn't turn down the thunder and lightning final either, would you? The famous one in nineteen thirty nine. Definitely not. Considering <laughs> if 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 anyone has that in their um their attic and they're willing to to give it to me, it would be okay. Like nineteen thirty nine was a was a good year. There was a lot of a lot of important things happened in nineteen thirty nine. So it's a kind of a historic year. Like, do you collect anything else besides this? I'd say it takes up most of your time. Um, I I collect. I well, I have local history books. I have, unfortunately, for my sins, I'm a Liverpool supporter, so I, I I collect Liverpool memorabilia. I collect golf memorabilia. I play pitch and butt, so I collect pitch and butt. I collect, unfortunately, anything that um <laughs> that can be collected in in, in those kind of things. You must have a patient family, I, have you? I well, I have a partner and Hilda, and she she reckons my room would be ideal for a walk-in wardrobe with shoes on the left and bags on the right. She has it all planned out perfectly. But um, so every so often, I just make sure the door is locked every time she's passing, so that she can't go in and maybe picture the shells looking. Geez, that looks far better now with a Gucci bag rather than a on our final program like. Oh, Dan, great talking to you, Dan Cronin, um, postman from McCroom. Read about him in in, in the Echo, but he's got oh, thousands of programs. He's looking in particular if you've got one. 
if you know anyone who might have one, the 1949 county final between the Glen and Emma Killy. There's a few football ones as well that he doesn't have, but in particular, the 1949 decider involving Glen Rovers and Emma Killy. Thank you, thank you, Dan. Any more strange collections out there? Um, we would love to hear about it. I know this. Oh, God, who was it? Who was it? Someone was on to me one day. Was it, Lil- was it Lillian was on to me one day about collecting holy statues? I'm not joking. Holy statues. Oh, wait, one, eight, nine. Lillian. Yeah, Lillian Courtney collects holy statues. Anybody else collect anything very odd? Very strange. I collect uh, mugs, coffee mugs with logos on them. Um, I Hundreds of them. Most of them are up in the attic because they're chipped and cracked and, of course... They get, if I'm not careful, they get thrown out if they get chipped and cracked. But I keep them. I have, I think I actually have a mug from the Eurovision Song Contest in Mill Street. I'm almost certain I do, in fact. Anyway, before we go, it's Culture Night tonight. And, of course, Cork's 96 event, proud media partners of Culture Night. I was looking at it. There's nearly 90 events in the city alone. And there's hundreds across city and county. There's even events over on the offshore islands. It's a massive job of coordinating it all and one of the people involved in that is Michelle Carew who is the Cork City Arts Officer. Michelle, it's almost upon us. Good morning. Good morning PJ, how are you? Good. Only a few hours to go. The first events are what, about four o'clock I think? Well, the majority kicking off around then but actually the first event of Culture Night in Cork City is at quarter to two this afternoon for the really tiny babies, aged one to three. There's a relaxed interactive performance for early years up in Graffiti Theatre in Blackpool because, of course, that's late night for them. Sure. So we have to start early. <laughs> You've got wonderful exhibitions. I was plotting. Jean Carney asked me to go through some of the things I'd like to mm. attend if I had my choice. You have a wonderful exhibition on the, on, on the Holly Bough uh, this evening mm. and you've got stuff in the English market I remember my my late much missed dear friend Cara O'Sullivan often sang in there for Culture Night so you've got so much on Michelle We do and that's exactly you've just highlighted two events there I mean it's about visiting places you might visit other times of the year but it's animated in a whole other way on Culture Night so for example in the English market there'll be music there tonight as you said the Holly Bough exhibition in the libraries and there's events across all of the libraries across the city so you know even if you don't want to come right into the centre of town your local library will be a place to go as well we're looking at about 150 events um, as it stands now in Cork City tonight Wow Um, More began all the time then more being right up to the last minute events get added so while you can pick up a printed brochure in City Hall in any of the libraries or any of the venues um, do go to the website as well because that's the most up to date listing mm. but I suppose the big pleasure on Culture Night and we've been so lucky for years now we've been getting these lovely last bursts of sunshine that seem to land on Culture Night and today there's storms forecast for the rest of the weekend but Culture Night is looking bright and fresh, and it what is. better night to follow to, to get on your feet and follow your nose into the city centre because 
part of the beauty of Culture Night is that you can do that. There are events that have to be booked out, booked in advance, and yeah. you know some people will do that. Um, but there's plenty, even if you don't. So even if you haven't decided what you want to do tonight, there's time. You can head just into town in Flawander, and the buses are on as Flawander. well. Yeah. You can get the bus from Anglesey Street just outside City Hall. Here, there's three different routes, and they'll also take you around the venues. And there's music on the buses as well yeah. if you just want to sit and, and just. Katie was on the phone, Michelle. Uh, she wants to bring some kids in. I, I presume yeah. early evening. Early evening. There's loads on for kids. Yes. So um, here in City Hall, in the Millennium Hall, there's two um, showings of the Science of Dragons. That's a really fun science-based um, event that is inspired by the How to Train Your Dragon uh, book. Oh, so you learn all about what skills you need to train your dragon, the physics of flying all of the important things that you might need and that's on at half four and half six um, and at least one of those shows is ISL interpreted as well and the information's online. Um, there's lots more for children as well. Families could go to the old Cork war- Waterworks mm-hmm. for workshops as well on the theme of science. There's animation screenings for children over in Civic Trust House tonight brought to, to you by the Indie Cork Film Festival. Uh, there's a tours in the Glucksman, um, art and nature tours for children um, led from the Glucksman into, into the grounds of UCC. So there's loads loads on for children and of course then you know you can always bring children into all the venues as well the Crawford is a big hub all evening mm. um, uh, you know so the, the libraries you know it, it, you can also bring your family to the non- child-specific events yeah. as well. When all this started 18 years ago, it was just a few events in Temple Bar in Dublin. I mean, did anyone ever think it would get to be this size? I don't think they did. And I think it was a real stroke of genius, actually, to spread it out across the country. All 31 local authorities now coordinate uh, Culture Night. And, you know, it really comes down to that that kind of partnership. So mm. led out by the Arts Council in partnership with local authorities who rely on all of the venues, the organisations, the artists, everybody to get behind it. And, and we've do. gone from, I think we had 34 mm. venues back in the first culture night in Cork City to 100 venues tonight. That's so that would just show. And even with COVID in the middle of that, it's bounced right back. That's right. So That's right. people yeah, love it. They really do. That's and great. it's, it's it, a it's, Brilliant night. It's great. It's great. Hopefully I get in around for a wander myself. Can you repeat lastly the uh, Collins Barracks uh, event? Is there a Collins Barracks? There's an event up in Collins Barracks will be open and also um, the, if, if you're interested in some music, the Barrack Street Band on the other side of the city will be performing in Elizabeth Fort okay. as well. What, what time is the event in Collins Barracks? Someone on the phone. Oh, wants to... I'm going to find out now. Let me see. Oh, it's jumping out to be between five and nine o'clock. Okay. The Military Museum in the Collins Barracks. Fantastic, open. and that's a great place to see at any time. Military Museum in Collins's Barracks. That's it. We're right slam dunk up against it. We'll talk about farmers finding dates. I was going to talk about farmers finding dates because it's hard for them. But you know what? We'll do that and loads more when we're back on Monday, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. 
Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.